Hello and welcome back to Torsky Tuesdays. I'm your host, Hanani Abraham. We are in the middle of the first chapter of what are we doing here and what is the goal. So, last time we left off, we were talking about the, the potential for good and for growth. And just continuing right, right from there, we are on page 24. The task for parents is not simply to teach children manners or to get them to behave properly. This is not at all minimizing good manners and civilized ways. On the contrary, midos and derecheretz, decency, are extremely important, but these are qualities that become lasting attributes of a child's character and personality only if they are embedded in a vision of the world that is imbued with Torah values. In Ethics to Our Fathers, in Pirkei Avos, in the third chapter, verse 17, we read, if there is no Torah, if there is no Bible, there is no derecheretz. There are no, there is no, no decency. And if there is no decency, if there is no derecheretz, then there is no Torah. The two are interdependent with each other. I think there's also a difference between training a child and teaching a child. And there's, you can go about something where you're training them to, to do something, and behaviors can be taught based on how you're going to be teaching them. But at the same time, there is also a concept of knowing how to give something over that it becomes internalized and therefore it's something that becomes part of who they are. And there's a big difference between the two and how you give over a message. The job of the parent involves much more than simply training the child to do the right thing. Training is merely a method of teaching that does not require understanding and simply rests as an association between a stimulus and a response that has been reinforced. For example, if let's say you're trying to get someone, you're trying to get your son to go pray, to go daven in the morning. Okay, great. So now I'm going to force him every morning to get out of bed. I'm going to force him up and I'm going to make sure that he gets to, to be there on time every single time we're going to go daven. Okay, but what are you teaching him? Because when he's going to be out on his own, he's never going to have the concept of, oh, I'm here to be getting closer to God, to learn how to speak to him. That's not going to happen because... He wasn't taught what prayer actually is and how amazing it can be. But if he's taught in a way where this is beautiful, this is amazing, this is your opportunity to get close to God in your own personalized way, then it's completely different. Raising Jewish children means that the parents instill in them a review of the world where events and actions are seen, seen through Torah eyes where words are heard with Torah ears, where words are spoken with this Torah thoughts in mind. In a sense, then, it is our job to construct a world for them as one of Torah and to build them, to build with them and for them a map of life and the world that will guide them for the rest of their lives, which is, it's more important to plant a tree that's going to last a long time than it is to uproot something and replant it. I guess what I sort of mean is it's easier to go ahead and plant a tree than if you already have a developed tree and you want to replant it. So you want to be able to plant a tree and which takes a long time to grow, but you have to first get the roots down and the trunk to grow. From there, we can then have a tree that's going to last for a long time. That only happens if you plant the seeds now. It is a task that transcends our own existence, our, our own existence on earth. The Torah is a map. 
It is the master plan whereby God created the universe, as we say in, in, in the Zohar, in, in Kabbalistic works, God looked into the, into the Torah and created the, the, the universe accordingly. This is in the Zohar Truma 161a. But, given our children a map, but giving our children a map of the world does not ensure that their actions will be appropriate all the time. A map is a guide. It tells us when we are on track and when we are off track. Most importantly, it allows us to move closer to our destination. If we get lost, it allows us to turn around and to redirect ourselves, which I think is something that's very common in everyone. I heard something recently that really no one goes about life scot-free in the sense of not having any challenges. So why not at least have our challenges that we can have a map, i.e. the Torah, lead us in the right way? So if we get lost, it allows us to turn around and to redirect ourselves. So too, raising a child is to transmit in him our map of the world so that at some point in time, he can embark on the journey by himself. I guess in a way, create his own map. The parent who transmits a map gives the child tools to transcend by far any automatic conditioning of good behavior. For the Torah-observant couple, the mitzvah, or the obligation of procreating is important, and bringing a child into the world should be the fulfillment or of an important mitzvah, of an important obligation. Yet, we would be wise not to deceive ourselves, because self-deception never has positive results. If an ego element is present, one should not deny it and try to conceal it under the some other factors. I think when, or in regard to parenting, the way I am understanding that is, and please, you know, chime in and, and comment back if you feel otherwise. But I think that sort of means not vicariously living through our children, which I've seen all, all too much in my, in my practice, where let's say a parent wasn't able to play sports growing up for whatever reason, whether they could afford the equipment or they had to be home and start working in the family pharmacy or having to work some other job to make ends meet for the family, and not being able to, let's say, be a part of sports or recreational activities. So now here they are at a point where, where they have a family. Now the child wants to go ahead and, you know, just live vicariously and just have a way of living life. And the father says, no, you're going to play, go play sports because I couldn't. So that's living vicariously through your child, which is, I think, a negative, negative, negative when it comes to raising our children. We shouldn't be living through them. We should be living for them. And therefore, having a sense of being able to know what they need and putting them in a place to do the best possible that they can, but yet at the same time with a certain set of structure, with a map, which is what we're talking about here. Again, it is not necessarily... A, it, it is certainly not wrong to have an ego investment in a child, and common sense tells us that it cannot be otherwise. We are, after all, human beings, and not spiritual angels, but the ego investment in a child can be either positive or negative. And if we recognize its its presence, we are in a position to direct it positively, which makes a very big difference on how you're going to say something. Raising children is a goal-directed and purposeful task, and it demands a concentrated, sustained effort on the parent's part. It is really hard work. So I guess one of the first things I could think of here that's important to realize is know what you're getting yourself into. Know the arduous task that comes with raising a child. 
Now, that doesn't take away from how we view it of it being something that's so special, so personalized, and so rewarding in the long run. Even though we might not be able to see it today, or maybe even tomorrow as well. But for the most part, we're able to see those results work in a certain way. And we have to be able to to be in a, in a position to know the right from wrong. Is this going to be better long term? Is this not going to be better long term? And making those decisions now for our children could go a very, very long way. Parenting may also be said to be absorbing, he says here in quotations, which means that this task can be successfully accomplished only if we connect it to the child in a deep and lasting fashion, overcoming immediate frustrations, setbacks, and disappointments, and fatigue. It is sense presenting, uh, in a sense, parenting is quite similar to that of, of Torah study, which is an encounter of the Word of God, and it, too, is often fraught with frustrations, questions, and difficulties. Huh. Good point. I never thought of it that way. But it is. It's something that's hard. It's hard for us to do. And, and learn Torah. And learn, learn the Bible. It's raising a, a child also. And you might not see any, any produce today, but over time you'll see the produce. And hopefully that's the same thing that we'll be able to experience in, in our child-rearing capabilities as well. At the same time, learning opens up to the student delights that only a fellow learner can understand. Similarly, when a child says a first word, takes a first step, has first recognition of the olive base, makes his first moral decision based on oral law, these are delights that only a parent can truly savor. Wow, it's so true on how we look at, at, at things that when they do the right thing, we have to point out those things and make it like, hey, that's a good thing. That's a good thing that person did. Even if they're not Jewish, but pointing it out can go a very, very long way. God gave us a head start with the mitzvah of parenting by giving us a capability of feeling a deep bond with our children right from birth and by embellishing the newborn with capabilities that allow him to connect with us immediately. We know that optimal vision for newborns and young infants is approximately 12 inches, just about the distance to his mother's face when he, uh, his mother's face when he is nursing or being held. Studies uh, indicate that a baby is indeed wired for speech. For example, when newborns can distinguish between B and P sounds. Research has also shown that they are very, uh, that uh, that as early as a few weeks, the the infant gazes no longer at his mother's face than that of a stranger, and it is capable of differentiating between the voice of his mother and that of a, uh, of a stranger. Uh, and I've had situations where I've heard people going to someone else's house and realizing that um, someone looks alike, let's say you have a, a, you know, a twin sister or a sibling that looks very like, or even a parent, but there's a, when they hear the voice, that can completely set them off and make them cry. Given the challenges that young children uh, pose, from infancy throughout childhood, including the sleep, the sleepless or interrupted nights, or their secondary uh, irrational behavior, crying, I want the blue chip and not the yellow cup. I want the blue cup, not the yellow cup. Is, uh, sta- uh, is the stability of this bond is just sort of amazing and is due only to the chesed which God has granted parents. We'll do one more small paragraph over here for now. The commitment to a child can indeed bring about out the best in a parent. By investing themselves completely in their child, parents are capable of acting purely in the service of the child, and for the moment, they own selves, their own selves become subsumed in the needs of the child. We might say that at 
such a moment, the press loses itself and his resources in the services of the child. So if you're going to push it too far and make it that it's you're not going to be able to see things clearly, then you're not helping out the, that situation. But it's important when you come to the table to talk about the things that are good and positive and trying to to move the things as positive as possible in the way we're talking. And that could be hard. That could be really hard for someone to do. Especially if your child did mess up, if their shoes are dirty, and if they didn't take all their snacks, they forgot the water bottle. That's fine. As long as we're countering it in a way where there's positive reinforcement, which I think is something that he's going to talk about as we go on over here. So, thank you so, so much for joining me on this podcast. I would love to hear any critiques questions or comments regarding anything or anything, you can reach me at koshercounseling at gmail.com.